Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Okay, I've got a really bad joke. I didn't tell it at 8 o'clock, but I'm going to tell it in here about, about low attendance and long sermons. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pastor who serves a small country church, right? You can use your imagination. Pastor, small country church. It comes to snow overnight, snow in the next morning. The pastor is wondering, do we go to church? Do we have church? The pastor decides to go to church, uh, unlocks the doors, and waits to see if anybody shows up. And one person comes, right? And so the pastor's got the guy there. We'll call him Johnny. And he says, Johnny, I'm so sorry you're the only one to come. You know, I'm glad you came, but it's just too cold for everyone else. I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll go home. And Johnny says, now, Pastor, you know, I, I've got cattle, and, and I take care of farm animals. And, and, and even on a cold day, if only one cow comes up to the barn, you know, I still feed that one cow, right? <laughs> and the pastor said, okay, I see what you're saying. And so he preached. He gave him his sermon, did the whole thing, preached for 20 or 30 minutes. And then Johnny said, well, uh, Pastor, I said I feed the cow. I didn't say I give it all the feed I have. Isn't that a bad joke? Yeah, pretty bad. I love that one. So, so I'm going to give you all the, all the feed I have, all right? Are you ready? Today we're going to read from 1 Corinthians uh, starting, uh, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We'll also read the gospel lesson assigned for today. These are both printed there in your order of worship. They're on the screen as well. Uh, and, of course, if you have your own Bible, you're welcome to turn there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of services, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discernment of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. And then today's gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to John. On the third day, there was a wedding in the Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. He said, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. And so they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who drew it knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory And his disciples believed in him. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Yes, God, it is with thanksgiving that we gather for worship today. As we gather, perhaps in person, in the room, as we gather online, we give thanks for the warmth of this space here. We give thanks for the warmth and comfort of our homes. We give thanks for the ability to connect with one another, to be together as we fellowship in person and as we share greetings virtually. God, we give thanks for the power of your spirit that unites us in so many ways and yet works in us in different ways. And so today, as we read from these scriptures, as we ponder these words, we ask that they would speak to us, that they would be written on our hearts, that they would reshape us according to your will. This, in Christ's name, we pray. Amen. All right, one of the most uh, popular channel, one of the most popular shows that has been streaming online during the pandemic, maybe some of you have watched this, uh, is a show titled Alone. Are you familiar with it at all? Alone. That's the only title given to it. Uh, all, all of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, Jill as well. But it's an interesting show, all right? It started on the History Channel, uh, and then it was picked up on Netflix. Uh, and it's titled Alone because that is the gist of the show. It is a reality survival competition, right? And so these men and these women, uh, many who are trained, perhaps they're military, they're trained in physical fitness, or they're trained in, in outdoor living, uh, they go to this competition out in the, in the great northwestern woods uh, in the cold, and they, uh, and they compete against one another to see who can survive the longest entirely alone, right? And they're invited to bring uh, uh, a few things with them. I think it's 10 things they get to bring with them, uh, often an axe or a saw, a bow and arrow, something to start a fire. They get 10 things they get to bring with them. Otherwise, they have to live off the land. And so the show is titled Alone. Uh, and the way in which it's done, in the way in which it's a reality show, is that they film themselves. And so they're wearing little GoPro cameras around their, their chest or around their, uh, around their neck, uh, or they use a little handheld camera on a tripod. Right? And, and the people who, who created the show and the online commentary uh, seems to suggest that it's, it's legitimate. Right? They're not getting any help from outside parties unless they choose to use the emergency GPS locator, right? in which case they give up and they, they come and the, and the boat or the crew finds them and takes them back home. Right? Really fascinating. Anybody into this yet or no? Am I selling you on it? All right. It's cool. You should watch it. It's really interesting. Right? So they're competing against one another. And often the case, the reason the show is sort of created, or at least the theme, is the, is the physical challenges. Right? They need to secure food. Right? So they do hunting or they do fishing or they collect berries or they forage. And, and so that's one thing. They need, to, they need to build some sort of shelter. Right? This is often where it's cold and so they, they build something unique to, to live in. Uh, they have to create and sustain fire. Right? And so that's one of the challenges. And often, those sort of technical challenges are what do them in, right? They just get too cold. They're not able to eat enough calories. They can't sustain a warm fire. Typically, those are the sort of things that they finally just sort of give up and they have to, they have to tap out. But just as much as the show is about those physical challenges, uh, it's also about the sort of psychological formation that happens during this experiment. And so they're often talking to the camera. And one thing that I find interesting as they're talking to the camera is they're often talking about other people. Right? They're out there in the woods alone and they, they spend time reflecting on their family, right? their spouse or their children or their parents or even great-grandparents. And they just sort of talk out loud and they talk about relationships and they talk about what those people meant to them. Right? And you can see as a viewer of the show the sort of way in which this is challenging them. It's not just can we survive technically, but can we survive alone, right? 
And so on the one hand, the show prizes and celebrates a certain set of gifts, right? A certain set of skills, the skills to survive. But what it ends up doing is it really highlights the ways in which we need other skills or other people to make our lives whole and complete, right? That life is more than just living alone. That's kind of the theme of the show. When we read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, I hope you heard that phrase that Paul uses there at the beginning. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is kind of a formula that Paul uses quite a bit, this now concerning. In fact, it comes up a few times here in 1 Corinthians, and it's a turn of phrase that indicates to us, the reader, that Paul is responding to some issue that has either been shared with him via a letter or via a traveler or, or something he's heard about the church in Corinth. And so we get a few of these chapters, essentially, in the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul says, now concerning, right? So now he's going to talk about this thing that has been causing them some trouble. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, our, our translations all do that the same way. They all say now concerning spiritual gifts, but, but the original writing is really more just like spiritual things, right? What Paul is saying is like now concerning spirituality, right? Now concerning the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, that in itself is sort of an interesting uh, introduction to thinking about uh, the New Testament and particularly for thinking about this letter, 1 Corinthians, we sometimes, I hear this sometimes, and maybe you do as well. We sometimes, in our modern church, we have a sort of romantic view of the early Christian church, right? And sometimes people will say, if we could just get back to the way it was at the beginning, right? If we could just live like those early Christians, those early Christians who, who really knew and understood and followed Jesus, who really sacrificed for one another and cared for one another, those early Christians, they are the model and the example. If we could just get back to doing church like they did it. But when you read the details of the early Christian church, particularly from Paul's letters, it's not really that rosy, right? In fact, the early church seems a little bit dysfunctional, right? And this is one of the ways in which it's dysfunctional. Paul is writing and he says, now concerning spiritual things, you seem to be malformed. You seem to misunderstand. Let me, let me correct you. Right? And that in itself ought to create, at least it does in me, a little bit of humility, Right? These early Christians that we think so highly of, these early Christians that are a generation or two removed from Jesus, these Christians who are following Paul, who, who knew Jesus, who met with Jesus, who was inspired by Jesus, and yet they are, are uninformed, or at least they are formed in a way that's incorrect. They, they misunderstand. And surely there are some things about our faith and our Christianity that is lacking understanding as well. So what Paul says is about spiritual things. Formerly, when you followed idols, you were led astray. Right? But now you say to yourselves, Jesus is Lord, and this is nothing less than the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? So he sort of lays his foundation. You used to be pagans, now you're Christians, and you can only be Christians because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then as we read in the rest of the work, the rest of 1 Corinthians, and particularly in this chapter, the, the tension that seems to be at work around spiritual things uh, is those who, uh, who are speaking uh, publicly, and specifically those who are speaking, as we will call it, speaking in tongues, right? And so Paul says, about spiritual things, I'm going to correct you, you used to be pagans, but now you're trying to follow Jesus, and there seems to be some misunderstanding about speaking in public, 
right? And specifically about speaking in tongues. So the way in which Paul breaks down this situation and this argument comes in a, in a couple of different a couple of different sections, and I want to do, do that with you, right? If you're looking at the reading that we did this morning from 1 Corinthians, particularly there in verses 4 through 6, if you look there in your bulletin, you'll notice a kind of poetic formula to it, a kind of poetic formula to it. Paul says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but the same God. Now, we know the the Christian belief in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there are elements of that Trinitarian theology throughout the New Testament, but it really gets taken up more, more formally and gets formed in the early Christian church the first few hundred years, right? So the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, those are the early Christian statements about what we believe, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And one thing that the Christians settled on, this took a lot of time, but one thing they settled on was that that despite God being three in one, that God could never be divided up, right? So sometimes we're witness to God the Son in Jesus. Sometimes we're a witness to God the Holy Spirit, like at Pentecost, right? But it doesn't matter where we sense or experience God. It's always the same God. It's always one God, right? And we see that kind of Trinitarian thinking here in the Apostle Paul, right? He says there are this variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's kind of that Holy Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. That's kind of Jesus Christ is Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but the same God, which we often kind of associate God the Father, right? In the same way that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit cannot be separated out, cannot be broken apart, Paul says that the gifting of you all, there in the First Corinthians letter here, the Corinth church, The gifting of you all, though there are different services, though there are different gifts and different activities, it's all the same God, right? There's no hierarchy in the Holy Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working together with and for one another. And Paul says there's something similar about the church. There's a lot of diversity, different services, different activities, different gifts, but there's no hierarchy. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. It's the same spirit. No matter what you do, no matter how you lead, no matter how you volunteer, how you engage, it's the same God that's worked within you. And so in that little Trinitarian formula, that little poetic phrase, Paul kind of destroys any sense of, of hierarchy, right? That there's no particular gift in the church that's, that's more worthy or, or more celebrated than any others, right? Different activities, different services, different gifts, but it's all the same God. You're all the same people called by the same God, no matter how you serve. I hope you saw in the newsletter this past month, we did something a little bit different. Caroline wrote an article. We called it a, I think we called it a member spotlight or a volunteer spotlight. Uh, but she interviewed Dixie Lawrence, Ryan and Dixie Lawrence. Dixie uh, helped in a big way in, in November and December. A lot of you were involved in that. All of those new Christmas and Advent decorations we had in here, uh, Dixie helped put most of that together, right? Uh, we hadn't really decorated the worship center in a big way because we came over in 2019 uh, but then we had the pandemic last year, so we, we knew we needed a little more pizzazz, right? And so Dixie was so helpful in that. She helped organize it and plan it and help buy some of those things and get it all, all uh, ready for other people to come in and help put together. 
uh, not only with the decorating here in, in the Advent, but also with the children's uh, Christmas float. Uh, we asked Dixie to kind of help with that. We, we really leaned on Dixie there at the end of November and into December with some key important things here in the church. And so that newsletter article talks a little bit about that. But Dixie would tell you, right, that she didn't do all those things on her own. And in fact, many of you were involved, your Sunday school classes, putting up trees, taking down trees, taking down decoration, putting things in box, walking it up to the fourth floor. There's a temptation to sort of celebrate certain gifts, right, to sort of highlight certain people. And sometimes maybe that's necessary. We need to, to brag on folks. But Paul says it doesn't matter what gifts, what sort of services, what sort of activities. It's all the same Lord. There's no hierarchy within the church. Now, in the next section, Paul rattles off what he calls just a number of these spiritual gifts, right? And you've heard other lessons or sermons about these. He mentions in here in 1 Corinthians, he mentions wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, or the interpretation of tongues. And what does he say about each one of these gifts? He says, no matter the particular gift that an individual has, it's always the work of the same Spirit. It's always the work of the same Spirit. Now, many scholars have pointed out that it doesn't appear that Paul is trying to make a definitive list of spiritual gifts. It's not like these eight gifts and these eight gifts only, because we know in other places in other writing, Paul lists other gifts, right? So it seems to be he's just, he's just offering an example of a lot of gifts, right? He says it doesn't matter how you're gifted, whether you have knowledge, whether you have faith, whether you're able to do healing or miracles or whether you can do prophecy or you can interpret tongues. It doesn't matter how you're gifted. It's all the work of the same Spirit. And his point, again, similar to what we said a minute ago, is that none of these gifts should be more celebrated than others. None of these gifts should be more celebrated than others. That it's the same Spirit that's at work in every one no matter the gifting. He concludes there by essentially kind of saying that the inverse is also true. That because the same Spirit is at work in everyone, then we can conclude that everyone is gifted in some way. Everyone who says that Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, then everyone is gifted in some way. This sort of seems to be the theme that Paul's getting at in this whole section. It's not as if a few select people have been given unique gifts and that those ought to be celebrated and held up. No, instead, everyone is gifted in some way. Now you can imagine how in the Corinthian church, it's not unlike our church today, that, that certain gifts get more attention, right? If you're the one that does a lot of speaking at church, probably the more people know you, right? You get more FaceTime, right? The preacher, right? That gift gets more attention than other gifts. If you're someone who's able to sing or play an instrument, right? Then it's more likely that people will know you. They will recognize you. You're someone who helps lead in worship. If you're someone who teaches a Sunday school class or volunteers in a way that a lot of folks see you, it's more likely that that gift gets more attention. But Paul says we have to be very, very careful not to lift up certain gifts or certain people. That everyone, everyone is gifted in some particular way. In fact, we did our little leadership orientation meeting Wednesday before last, and we talked about this last two years and all the things, and we talked about this coming year and how we hope things would be this coming year. And, and I named some sort of technical things we need to work on, you know, business-related things, facility-related things. but also named some sort of organic ministry things. 
I think one of the more organic things is, is related to what Paul is saying here. Everyone is gifted. Everyone is gifted. And perhaps in church, we sometimes get in the rut of lifting up a few gifts or a few of the same people, right? Oh, so-and-so always does that, or so-and-so is good at serving on that committee, or so-and-so is good at this and that. Everyone is gifted, Paul says. And our church, like all churches, needs everyone to realize their gifts, to live into their gifts, for the sake of our church, but also for the sake of the individual. We don't just need more of what we got. We don't just need more teachers or more worship leaders or more Sunday school teachers. Certainly those things are great, but there are many other ways in which people are gifted in which they can serve. The last thing I'll do is draw your attention here to what, to what um, Paul says in, in verse 7. And as he's describing all of these gifts, he says, <clears throat> he says this unique phrase. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, a lot of scholars have noted that that phrase that Paul is using there, a phrase that we know as well, the common good, that that phrase is really not unique to Scripture. Right? In fact, that phrase in different language and different uh, generations goes back a long time. Even to Greek philosophers where they would talk about the common good meaning the sort of secular society, the economic systems that make all of our lives the best that they can be. And so it's interesting that Paul is kind of borrowing this secular phrase, this sort of philosophical, political phrase, right? And he's weaving it into the church. And he's saying all of you have been gifted in different ways for the common good, right? Now, scholars have kind of wrestled with, when Paul says that, does he mean the common good like within the church, like we've all been gifted for the good of the church? Or does he mean that we've all been gifted for like the common good, like the common of all of humanity? Right? I don't know that it necessarily matters that we pick one or the other, and I'll give you just a little bit of an example. Uh, this week was kind of a struggle here at the church like it was in a lot of your workplaces. You may have noticed this morning that we're kind of short-staffed, short-volunteered, right? Uh, we got a lot of folks that are dealing with a lot of things, uh, virus-related, quarantine-related, isolated-related. We were kind of struggling in the middle of the week trying to figure out if we would have enough volunteers and folks to make everything happen here. Do we have enough instrumentalists and vocalists? Do we have enough people to work technology and sound? Do we have enough people to help lead in the other two services? You just don't realize until you start running out of folks, right, on a given Sunday between Sunday school teachers and, and volunteers with every, you just don't realize how many people we need, right? Just for one Sunday service, it takes 30, 40, 50, 60 people to take care of everything we need here at the church. And so we started learning in a real particular this way. It's like, oh, wow, we need some of these folks who can't be here this week. Well, we're going to have to make do without them. And so we started figuring out how to do that. But that obviously extends much further to the, beyond the church, right? I've seen some posts from you all. I've had some conversations with you all about your workplaces, right? We're learning again, as we have learned throughout this two years, but really this last two weeks, that we desperately need everyone to do their thing, right? We need teachers to be able to do their thing and doctors and nurses and staff and, and, and school bus drivers and, and we need bankers and we need people who prepare the roads and put salt on them and people who do weather forecasting, right? We need all those people to do their thing, right? And when we're not able to all be there, the system doesn't work really well. Have you seen that? Right. And so I think Paul's kind of making an observation about the church, 
but he's also kind of making an observation about society, right? You've all been gifted for the common good. Like, we need you to do your thing here at the church. Like, we need everybody to do their thing for the church to thrive and succeed. And we need you to do your thing out there, right? Whatever your thing is, the way in which God has gifted you and called you for the sake of the world, for it to run smoothly, for us to take care of each other. All of that is to say is that what we sometimes sense in our lives, in our world, and and I'm sure you sense this as well, we sometimes sense the diversity among ourselves being a point of frustration, right? People think different, people act different, people live different, and man, it's hard to work with all these different people, right? But Paul says, no, 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 no. All those different people, that's the way God made them, right? God made you all different, with different gifts, with different skills, with different graces. And Paul says that's a good thing. We bring all those gifts together, all of those skills, for the common good. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for the spiritual gifts that you have blessed this congregation with from leadership across many generations, even up until now. And God, we confess that the spiritual gifts that have, have blessed our lives are, are, are often taken for granted. And so we pause today to celebrate those, to lift up those voices and those people who have blessed us. God, we are reminded today that you have gifted all of us, all of us, in some way, for the sake of serving the church and serving the world. God, we are reminded that you made us all different, with different gifts and graces, different callings and different perspectives, for the sake of one another and for the sake of the common good. God, give us a vision to see ourselves as part of this unique mix of humanity. Give us a vision to understand the diversity of people as your calling. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.